Hey, welcome to a Zion People podcast. I am Keelan, an intern at Zion Church, and this is our latest message. The team here hope the message challenges you, inspires you, but most of all, builds your faith. Enjoy the message. God's Word says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who approaches God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. So as I begin this morning, the question's really got to be asked. Will we earn a commendation from God for our life of faith? This, in fact, has been the question I've had in my heart and mind as we've journeyed through the series, which uh, we conclude today. The series is called The Way of Faith. We've had five weeks. Well, this will be week five of a series. And uh, just quickly want to recap for those that haven't caught all of the messages. Um, But each one of these messages is available on our website. Uh, It's on our podcast channel, YouTube channel. But uh, this week what I did is I put them up in, uh, in the blog of uh, our website, which is just www.zionpeople.nz. Look for the resources, look for the blog. The videos are there, the devotions are there, the challenges are there, the insights are there, all in one place for you to find, hopefully easily. In the first week, we looked at the life of Abraham, and our key verse was Hebrews 11 and chapter 8. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. The key theme we found in Abraham was the the call into a place or a a lifestyle of faith, even though we might not know the destination. Many people in this season are being called to step into an unknown space, and it's faith that enables that. The second week, we we stepped back in time beyond uh, Abraham, and we looked at the life of Abel. And in Hebrews 11, chapter chapter 11, verse 4, it says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead... By the hand of his brother, we learned, but he's long dead. He still speaks to us by the example of his faith. And the key theme, there's many themes in there, um, uh, but one of them was that our offerings that we bring are an act of worship, and it's that heart of worship that God looks on with favor. Uh, week three of the series, we shifted to online. Uh, all the women were away, and so we went online, and Craig spoke about the faith that we see in the life and the story of Gideon. And we don't get much out of Hebrews 11, but it does say in verse 32, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, David and Samuel and and all the prophets. But when you look at the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, chapter 6 and chapter 7 and beyond, when when you go through the devotional, you understand that there was victory that was theirs. God's people had victory not by their strength, but by God's hand. And it takes faith. 
to step into a battle against a multitude like Gideon did with just 300 men and some torches and some swords that weren't really going to have effect against the multitude's faith. Last week was week four, and we looked at the story of Barak, who was found in Judges, and he was a man who was called alongside the prophet Deborah. And the theme that we got out of that message was that our faith and partnership is what we're called into often, partnership and faith, and really that's what community, a community of faith is all about. So just to, just to restate that uh, these messages are available, the easiest place to find them is on the website or on our church app. But I really do hope that you've taken an opportunity to grab the devotions. We've prepared devotions because, to be honest with you, a life of faith and growing in your faith is not just about hearing the word and not thinking about it anymore. Growth comes by feeding on God's word and praying into God's word and journeying through the scriptures. And so I really do hope that you've taken opportunity to grab those devotions. There's some more out on the, on the desk in the foyer, or like I said, you can get them online. But here's why I'd say that. Faith is an action word. I mean, that's a cliche, right? You hear that in church all the time. Faith is an action word. Well, this is what James says in James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough, James writes. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Hard words. Faith is an action word. Faith is an action word. So, so today, uh, we find ourselves in the final message in the series. And today, if we uh, jump into Hebrews 11, we're going to look at uh, those people at the end of the chapter, but whose names we don't know. We're going to look at this passage and we're going to see a story of faith with a whole bunch of people whose names we don't recognize because we're not told, but this should encourage us. Because what I felt when I was preparing this, I was thinking, well, even though our names don't get mentioned in the book, our faith still counts. If you're someone that serves faithfully in the shadows, if you're a prayer warrior, an intercessor, a, a servant that doesn't want the limelight, don't think your faith is any less. Your faith counts in what God has called you into to serve in the way that you've served. So let's look at the text. Grab your Bible, swipe across to uh, Hebrews 11. Turn the page if you're like me and still bring a paper version. Hebrews 11 verse 32. I'm going to just read a few verses uh, before I move on. But how much more... The writer says, do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Hallelujah. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received back their loved ones uh, back from the dead again. 
and we go, amen. That's awesome. Man, don't we love that story of faith right there? But there's a, there's a spoiler because that's actually not what I'm going to preach today. The good news is the Bible is full of stories that can build your faith. And that's why I believe that we have this gift that is God's word that we can read the stories and ask God to bring us into the story that we would see what's in the story for us and the journey that we're in. So hopefully as you've journeyed through the series and you've done the devotions, you've got opportunity to grow in faith. We've also challenged you to to find a buddy to walk with someone else, to go for a walk in the rain or have a cup of tea and, and to discuss some of the questions that have challenged you because when we stand together in faith, we grow in faith. Faith happens in unity. I mean, kind of to me, this this way of faith, if we just take it logically, it's a real no-brainer. If we look at human nature, what motivates us, well, it's what we can gain out of life. Hebrews 11 verse 2 says, Through the reputation of faith, the people of old were commended by God for their faith. I mean, Who doesn't want to be commended by God? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith, and anyone who comes to him must believe he exists, and that he rewards you for your faith. So one, you get a commendation, and two, you get a reward. It's like a no-brainer. Why would I not want to grow in faith, to be commended and rewarded by God? But that's That's where we have to take a turn and look at the rest of the scriptures. So I want to give you this little phrase. For those of you that like writing notes, catch this one, because I'm hoping that what I say to you now is going to help you through the rest of the message, which may not be so uplifting. The way of faith, your way of faith, obeys God despite circumstances and consequences. Hold on to that phrase because you're going to need it in the next 25 minutes. The way of faith, your way of faith, growing strong in faith, chooses to obey God despite circumstances or consequences. Now, the reason I say that is because I'm going to keep reading from Hebrews 11. Listen to this from from halfway through verse 35. It's just in my Bible. That's where the paragraph changes. Others, it says, so verse 35 of Hebrews 11, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Well, that's uplifting. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some, this is good news, right? Some died by stoning. Others were sawn in half. People were killed with the sword. Come on, preach, you should be saying. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Amen. They were too good for this world. Wandering around in deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and in holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Why are you not smiling at me? Why are you not going amen? Like who wants to sign up for a life of faith? Who wants to join the family of faith? This is is the text that we're studying today. Come on, we should be excited. We're like, yay, let's sign up for that. 
crowd goes silent. I mean, who wants to be jeered at? Who wants to be whipped? Who wants to be chained in prison? Or what about signing up to be killed by rocks thrown at you until you die? I wonder what they'd use to saw you in half. Definitely not a chainsaw, so it's going to be slower than a blade that moves fast. To be killed by the sword, well, don't think that's instant. Destitute, oppressed, mistreated. Live your life hiding in a hole in the ground. Who wants to sign up for the way of faith? Come on, I see that hand. I don't see any hands. But the word of God comes to encourage us. So, so I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to realize from the text that there's something we can glean from the text because we've had some great stories, but this wasn't really the positive end to the hall of faith that we're studying. But I remind you of the key phrase I gave you earlier. Your way of faith obeys God despite the circumstances or the consequences. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, so we're going to unpack this. I've got a couple of questions I want to share with you that I was asking myself as I read this and studied it this week. So three questions I'll get into, but again, for those of you that take notes, you like a title to the message, and the title today is Faith in Suffering. And I wrote that down, and I was like, well, that's not really clickbait. Like, who's going to see that online and go, man, I want to hear that message? Faith in suffering. But it's part of our life. You can't avoid it. I mean, if you read the Bible just for the good parts and the happy parts and the bits that make you feel good, you're missing, I believe, the point. But I have got an upside, because the main idea that I want to convey to you today you know, when, when preachers prepare messages, we spend time in God's Word and prayer, and we're like, how do we make this as good as possible for you to get what God's got for you? Because, I mean, I'm just a communicator. I'm not, a, I'm not God. So I'm trusting that He's going to speak to you, but here's the upside. Today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. Today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. And you know what's even awesome about that? This doesn't have to be your suffering. I mean, read the Bible. Shadrach, Meshach, Bendigo chose to honor God and not honor the king. By faith, it says they were saved. So you can be encouraged by that without having to smell like smoke. What about Daniel in the lion's den? Saved from the jaws of the lion, and the king goes, oh, your God must be real because he saved you. But hang on a minute. What was it like to be there in the middle of the night? 250-kilo pussycat walking around. It doesn't have to be your suffering. But the reality is, many of us walk in a season of suffering. Today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. So let's dig into it. I want to just read to you from Proverbs um, we'll move Proverbs. Oh, here it is. Proverbs 17, verse 3. Just let me read this verse to you. Uh, real simple. Fire, fire tests the purity of silver and gold. But the Lord tests the heart. So I want you to think about, if, if, it's, if you're not going through tough times, think about someone that is. But I want you to think about suffering not as punishment. I want you to think about it as testing. 
But then I want you to think about it not as testing that is pass or fail. Because when the Lord is talking about testing, he's talking about testing that proves something. And the Lord wants to prove what he put in you is real. So one, one definition says this, when the Lord tests, quoting the scripture, when the Lord tests human hearts, that test, whatever it looks like, is designed to improve the value of the one being tested. See, God wants to prove his spirit is in you. He wants to prove that he's got greatness inside you. He wants to prove that you're his son or his daughter through the season, but he's not absent in the season. God's involved. So I want to, in a minute, I want to tell you about uh, my season of suffering. I'm just going to lay it all out there so you know about it. I'm not doing it for a pity party. I'm doing it just to create connection with the message so that if you're not going through tough times, you can see how it might help. But Because a season of testing, a season of suffering can feel like punishment. I spent time with a guy yesterday, and he's like, man, I pray, and I, and I ask God to help, and I just don't hear anything, and I can't see God in my situation. It's painful when it feels like that. You know, you feel like you're crying out to a ceiling that doesn't respond. But God's never punishing. He's testing, and he's testing to prove. And so the proving is God's purpose. So I don't know if you've ever had a season of suffering. I don't know, a season, like, uh, uh, what I'm saying is, you know, from personal experiences, a season where everything just looks like it's falling apart. On the outside, it looks like complete failure. And on the inside, it feels worse than that. Because I live a public life, it doesn't matter which city I'm in, um, everyone's watching, making comments, and speculating. Gossip is rife, accusations are rich, and truth is subjective. This kind of season is lonely because people tend to run away from you when you're being tested in a season of suffering. And, and people that you think you can count on, they're suddenly not around. They're not there anymore. It's tough. It's lonely. And you begin to question yourself in ways that you never thought you would, but you go deep. You go real deep because you've got to go into the dark corners to find the things that God wants you to bring into the light. In addition for me, in, um, in addition to mind games, which is what that's about, I was sharing with this guy yesterday that um, one of the things that makes it really hard is that you're also in a spiritual battle that happens usually between two and four in the morning. You've woken up with suddenly this wave of fear or this wave of accusation that just smacks you in the face and you're lying there trying not to believe that it's true because the arrows of the enemy come to try and destroy you. And lack of sleep affects every other aspect of your life, work, home, friends, health, and on top of that, your family suffers because they've got to live with you. And that's the way it is in my case anyway. Now, some of you look a little alarmed. And I guess you could be guilty of assuming that I'm talking about 2020 because it has been a pretty tough year. But I'm not. For me, the season I'm referring to was one of the most difficult seasons of my life and it was 2008. And I found myself at the bottom of a very, very, very deep hole. 
And I've often said when I speak about the season that I had to look up to see the bottom of the hole. That's how deep I felt I was. I'd um, built around me a group of businesses that we owned, and, and one by one, they were killing me as they also died or disappeared. Financially, I lost so much money, there were commas where there should have been decibel points. We almost lost our home, I almost lost my sanity, but I definitely lost my identity. One day, I walked into my accountant's office to try and deal with the fallout of what was going on and to manage all the people that wanted to find me to teach me a lesson. And he said to me, he says, hey, before we deal with your mess, you need to deal with this invoice. And he gave me a bill for $27,000. I mean, that's like getting kicked in the you-know-what when you're lying on the ground. It's hard. It's one of the toughest seasons of my life, and it was definitely a season of suffering, but it actually it felt like hell. And the only reason I knew it wasn't hell was God was still with me. And what I discovered is that God loved me, and he desired to restore me, and he desired to lead me out of my season of suffering. It wasn't a permanent destination. It was a season where he was testing me to prove me to reveal what was in me. The situation, the circumstances, and the suffering bring to the surface what's necessary for God to heal, but also for what God wants to reveal. That's the good news. Today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. And the good news is God did lead me out of that season. God did desire to make me stronger, and God did desire to take me into a new space. And if anyone resonates with my season, and it feels like I'm telling your story, then I just want to share this briefly so everyone else can have a little nap. But for those of you that want to get encouraged the way I was encouraged, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it was a year after the calamity and the collapse, and me hiding, and like I grew a beard, I grew my hair, people in my church didn't recognize me. But in the midst of me trying to find God, he said to me this message out of Deuteronomy 8, just the first five verses. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you, says the Lord. Then you'll live and multiply and you'll enter and occupy the land the Lord swore he would give your ancestors. God always starts with a promise. He reminds you of the promise. And then he said this to me. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years? What felt like 40. 400 years for me, but it's just a, it's a symbol, symbolism in the Bible for a long time. Humbling you, this is what God said, I was doing this to humble you. Oh, sign up for that again. I was doing this to test you, to prove your character, and to find out whether or not you'd obey my commands. God always has purpose in a season. Yes. God humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your family. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, for this long time that felt like eternity, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't blister and swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. God is always with us in seasons. And, and if you're going through stuff, if you're online and you're struggling at the moment, wherever you are, I want you to know that God is not absent. 
God is present. He's always present. He's always leading us, and he wants to strengthen us in these seasons because today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. And I would not be able to stand in this season if I wasn't strengthened by that season. So let's jump back to Hebrews 11, the passage of joy, we should call it, or hope, or encouragement, the uplifting reference to being sawn in half, the invitation to being killed by rocks. Let's look at this because very quickly, I just want to share with you the three questions that I wondered and pondered and prayed about this week because maybe they might help you. Hebrews 11 verse 36 says this, some people were jeered at, had their backs cut open with whips, and others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Some were, went about wearing the skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed, and mistreated. Man, that feels like suffering. And I asked myself this question, what even is suffering? I pondered it, and I thought about it, and I looked at my own life, and I've got plenty of journey uh, to reflect on, and I thought, you know what the first thing is? Sometimes suffering is circumstantial. Life happens, and it ain't all a bed of roses. Life is a box of chocolates, and sometimes you get a yucky one. Life is circumstantial. We've got to think like that, because if we get into the woe is me, pity is me, everyone hates me, and God doesn't love me, then you miss what God's trying to do. Sometimes life is tough. And if anything you take from this passage, not that you would wish to be killed by rocks or chained in prison, but that you would see the season for what God has purposed in the season. 1 Peter verse one, oh, chapter 1, verse 6 says this, Be truly glad. One translation says you are glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials would show that your faith is genuine. God brings these. He doesn't, he doesn't force you into calamity, but he brings you through the season to prove that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Same as what I read in Proverbs 17. So that when your faith remains strong, though many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed. Who's going to give you all that? God is. He's going to commend you. We're not looking for the praise of men. We serve an audience of one. Him. And on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. We've got to walk through these seasons. They come and they go, but here's the thing. That's what I love about the time I had with someone yesterday is he texts me at seven in the morning and says, man, I need to see you, I need to share some stuff with you, and I need you to pray with me. We sat and we cried for 90 minutes. Because it's tough, man, what some people are going through. And I don't have all the answers. But I'm willing to stand with him, and I'm willing to pray with him, and believe that God will sustain him. You've got to stay connected through hard times. Too many people run away and hide under a bush, and it's wrong. And I've said this many times in this church. The number one weapon that the enemy uses to pull you down and kill you is isolation. Not temptation, isolation. He tricks you into running away and hiding because you think and you believe it's going to be good for you and it's not. It will kill you. 
But today, I'm going to add a new thought to that. When we choose to disconnect ourselves from the leadership of the church God has asked us to to submit to, we open ourselves to a very dangerous path. God has designed us to walk together, and he's ordained us to walk in relationship with God's appointed leaders because God determines it a good thing. No one is perfect, me, me the least. But God appoints leaders, not man. And God says, you must walk in submission to godly leadership. It's how I've designed life. And I'm thinking about Abraham and Lot, and they decided to separate. And Lot says, I'm going that way. Looks good. And he camped next to Sodom and Gomorrah, and it didn't go well for him. Why? Because he separated himself from his spiritual father. One of the keys for me, like I'm preaching to my, I'm preaching to myself here, and I met with the national leader of Acts Church the other day, and he said, are you all right? And I said, no. He goes, oh, but are you okay? And I said, I will be, because I'm connected to my spiritual oversight. I'm submitted to him for wisdom and, and leadership and guidance. I'm submitted to him for prayer and spiritual covering, because I believe that's God's called me into that relationship. And when I submit to that relationship, I'm covered in that relationship, and God will lead me through the season I'm in. But if you get out from under that covering, woe is you. That's the way I'm living anyway. Have a look at James chapter 1 and verse 12. For those of you writing notes, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life. That sounds awesome until you read the next verse. James chapter 1 verse 13. Remember, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which will entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Heed the word of the Lord. Second kind of suffering we face is self-inflicted. We all make mistakes. It says here, we get tempted, not by God, but when we get tempted, we could be enticed into sin. Well, that's reality. That's called life, guys. But if we get enticed into sin and we don't deal with it and we don't submit to get prayer and covering like this friend yesterday, then it could give birth to death. Let's remind you to go back to the message and think about Cain, who was not accepted by God, and God said to him, what did he say? If you do what is right, Will not your heart be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, watch out for sin is crouching at your door and it's seeking to devour you. So sometimes we go through suffering because we caused it ourselves. And man, I've got too many stories that I probably would not be good to share. Um, But the point is this. God calls us into these seasons, but he wants to call us and lead us out of them. James chapter 5. I'm giving you lots of scripture today because this is better if it's based on scripture than Phil Strong's opinion. James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. If you're happy, you should sing praises. But if you're sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Amen. The Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven by the Lord. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer 
of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What even is suffering? Suffering is season, circumstantial, sometimes self-inflicted. But God uses that season to prove what's in us. I mean, it's kind of like compost. It stinks, but it's good for you to grow. Second question I asked came out of Hebrews 11 verse 39. Hebrews 11 verse 39 says this, All these people, whose names we don't know, earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Oh! I mean, I've got to ask. Like, you know, I don't know if you're very participative today. Kathy struggled to get you to, to respond, but I'm going to ask you to respond. How many people here would put their hand up to say they've had a promise from God that hasn't been answered or revealed to them? Just put your hand up. I'm, I'm putting my hand up. How many? You leave your hand up. Look around. Okay. And I'll ask a second question. Leave your hand up. How many people here would have been waiting for God to show up in this situation but haven't seen him yet? Put your hand up if that's also you. So more people put their hands up. Look around. Sample of a small group says that's normal, common, happens. So the question I'm asking myself in response to verse 39 is, well, what's this delay got to do with things? Because sometimes we go through suffering, but sometimes we have delay. We don't see what God has promised that we're believing for in faith. When I walked out of that season in 2010, the season I referred to earlier, I felt the Lord gave me a promise of restoration. And I wrote it down and I hold on to it and I believe that God will do that. But I've got to tell you, I don't think God's answered that promise yet in the terms that I felt he gave it to me in. That looks like delay because that was 10 years ago. How I handle the delay determines how my heart is. This week we were praying, we were prayer meeting, we are praying and we ended up in Jeremiah chapter 1 and there's a verse that I have committed to memory from the Amplified Classic Version. Jeremiah sees a picture of an almond tree, and it doesn't mean much to us because most of us aren't fluent in Hebrew, myself included. And the Lord says, yeah, you've seen right, Jeremiah, that you saw an almond tree. Because the Lord says, I am alert and active, watching over my promise, waiting to see it fulfilled. even in the delay. And I mean, I'll tell you, I'm holding on to that because even in delay, I have to put my hope and faith in the one who gave the promise, not the promise itself. To put my faith in the promise would be to worship a golden calf. And that's a temptation that we've got to avoid. And for a church, um, we've got to think about our perspective. So the, the, the advice for you if you're in a season of delay and you haven't yet seen the promise that God's given you, my first piece of advice is this. Make sure you submit your perspective to God. Your perspective, how you see the world. In lockdown 1.0, isn't it funny how we have lockdown 1.0 and then 1.5 and whatever else? It depends if your Auckland is different to us again. but um, we, we felt God gave us a prophetic verse out of Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5, and the Lord said to the people of God, purify yourselves, for tomorrow you will see the Lord do wonders among you. 
And man, that resonated in our spirits and we prayed around it for a month and we like believed it was a Rima word from God for this church, for this town. We're like, oh yes, tomorrow we will see the Lord do wonders amongst us. What does tomorrow mean in God's calendar? You know, if you thought it meant literally tomorrow, then God's about six months late. Because never late. He's alert and active and watching and waiting to see his word performed and fulfilled because he's faithful to his promise. He's not a man. He doesn't lie. But as leaders, if we got the wrong perspective, we're going, God, what are you doing? So if you're in a season of delay, protect your heart, keep your perspective right and submit it to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Many of you will be able to recite this one off the top of your head. God causes all things to work for the good of those who love him and accord according to his purposes. God is working in delay. God is working in suffering. God is working in your challenge. God is working in your heart to reveal what he's put inside you. He's bringing it to the surface in order that you would bring glory to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For those of you writing notes, the other one was um, Philippians 4, verses 12 and 13. Paul says this, and I take courage from these words. Paul says, Paul's the author, by the way. Paul says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. Here's the rub for us, or for me. You can have it too if you want. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Submit your perspective and your ways to the Lord and your heart will stay pure before him. So what is suffering? Sometimes circumstantial, sometimes it's self-inflicted, but the Lord always uses it to test us, to prove us, to reveal what's in us that he wants to bring out of us. What even is delay? Delay is just about God's timing for God's promises, but God wants us to submit to him more than he wants us to receive the promise. Not that he doesn't want to reward us because we already anchored that one in there. And the third and final question that I asked myself in Hebrews 11 came from verse 40. And this is a mind bender. Uh, and I spent the most time researching this and uh, probably won't be able to do it justice today. So uh, your homework, should you choose to accept it, is to study Hebrews 11 verse 40. God had something better in mind for us so they, the old guys in the book, uh, would not reach perfection without us. I mean, man, I went backwards and forwards over this. I went through the commentaries. I looked at words. I'm like, it kind of sounds like they wouldn't be able to reach the fullness of God's promise until we receive God's promise. And if you think about it logically, the saints, all the people that are mentioned in here, Father, well, some of them are New Testament, but most of them are Old Testament. They believed in the promise of a Messiah, a Jewish king that would come as an answer to God's promise. They believed in that, and they never, ever saw it. But they believed it to be true. David writes about it in the Psalms. Isaiah prophesies it in his book. Many, many prophets speak of the Son of God who would be the Messiah, the King of the Jews, the, the Redeemer of all mankind, the Savior of the world, and they never, ever saw it. And yet here we are. First world problems, you know, internet's not fast enough at home. 
or I didn't get the job I wanted, or man, the price of diesel went up this week. Did anyone else notice that? A first world problems. But we're living on the other side of the cross. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Jesus lived on earth, the Son of God who became a Son of Man so that sons of men could become sons of God. It's done. It's finished. And we sit here and we go, oh, yeah, I guess. It's history for us. We live in the fullness of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and it's done. By his stripes we are healed. By his death and resurrection, we are brought into new life. We are new creations already. And those guys, they had to just hope that it happened. They believed that it would, and their faith was credited to them as righteousness. And I thought that was the main point of the verse. But I don't think it is. When you study Scripture, one of the things I'm learning is you look for patterns, you look for consistencies and repetitions. And in this short verse, I found two phrases, two words, really, that to me bounced out of the page as a repetition, and it caused me to think and ask God more about this scripture. So let's have a look. God had something better in mind for us so that they, the others, would not reach perfection without us. And the two similarities, the phrases that I landed on that I felt were repetition, Repetition is a highlighting thing when you're studying scripture, was the phrase something better and the word perfection, reach perfection. And so as I meditated on that, I believe this means that God has an intention for us in the way of faith. And his intention is the perfection of his people. And that means whatever we face, suffering, sin, self-inflicted challenge, struggles, delayed outcomes. Whatever we face, we've got to believe that God's intention is the perfection of his saints. You and me and everyone else. But more than that, there's a connection between the generations. They're called dispensations or ages in the Bible, but our faith today is strengthened by their journey. Let me put it in the context of Zion. Our faith in this season is only possible because of the faith of our forefathers. The men, women, and children who for decades have stood on this property, believed in God's promise, and declared their faith in agreement with what God wanted to do in Tiamudu. And it's been up, and it's been down, it's been sideways, it's been chaos and climax, and all sorts of positive and negatives. But the truth is, God's intention is the perfection of his people and it's perfection that we find when we're in community or if I could say it differently, that we find when we're in common unity. You get that? The word community is made up of two words, common unity. We find perfection when we come into common unity with today and yesterday for the sake of tomorrow. So just in the same way that we, me, Elders, leaders, you, whether you're here for a short time or a long time, you can be strengthened in the season by the faith of the forefathers that built this church. And by that I mean spiritually, not physically. But in the same way, the call is on us, the mandate for us. This includes you online. Is that our faith would build a foundation for future generations. That they would be strengthened by our faith 
that our history would be their launching pad because God's intention is the perfection of his people. Come on, people of Zion, let us not grow weary. Okay, I'll get the band to come back. I, I kind of I changed the plan for them today, and I really do um, um, to say thanks, and I honor the team for, for moving with what I felt God wanted to do today. Um, so we, we shifted just a song to the end. Um, but I really just wanted to make room for another confession of faith because I do believe that many, many people are going through hard times. Some people are struggling uh, in certain areas and others are struggling with others who are struggling. And others are struggling because others are struggling and some of us just are just going through a hard time. And I want to finish with this song and I want you to sing it as a prayer. But before I do, I want to point you to something significant for you to take away. This is the close of the series. And we, we talked about it as, you know, like even in the heading on my devotion sheet here, it says, looking at some of the heroes from Hebrews 11. But you know, when they wrote the Bible, it didn't have chapters. So look at Hebrews 12 verse 1. And this is what I want you to land on. Therefore, because of all of this, since we are, because we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy that was waiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, I don't know where you're at with Jesus. Online, in here, doesn't matter. Watching this in four years' time. I wanted to point us all to Jesus Christ who makes it possible. And if you're not in faith relationship with Jesus Christ, then you ought to be. Because Jesus Christ is the one who leads us to the Father who sustains us in faith. And I can tell you from personal experience, when I go through hard times, the only way I survive is my faith in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He's my friend. He's my comfort. He's my guide. The Spirit of Jesus Christ is with me in every moment. And if there's anyone here, online, later on, doesn't matter, you reach out to someone, you reach out to us, reach out to this church, and we'd be delighted to sit with you and talk with you, not to explain and justify it, but to pray with you that Jesus Christ would rule in your heart as you yield to Him. Finally, Hebrews 12, verse 12. Take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Why don't you stand with me? Almighty God, today we submit ourselves to you under your word, under the word of God that has been given to us today by your Holy Spirit and I pray Lord that it strengthens us so now as we stand we choose to respond to your word here at home listening online via the app whatever's going on God may this song be our prayer of confession 
May this song be us yielding, surrendering ourselves again to Jesus Christ, that He would sustain us and lift us up. He would strengthen us, that God Himself would reveal what's in us, that Your glory would shine through us. God, we accept this Rima word today, that today's suffering strengthens tomorrow's faith. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed our message and it inspired you. Stay connected and get amongst our family. Find us on Facebook, YouTube or our app. We are Zion people.